Okay, Galatians 5, let's go there. Galatians 5, I'm going to read verse uh, 16 through verse 21 this morning. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That last phrase is kind of alarming, is it not? Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Here's your word opened in front of us, and we ask that you might speak to our hearts. As you are the one who can change us from the inside out, I trust that we have come willing to be changed by you and your word. Remind us again through the process of this, how much you love us. And the fact that your son who died for us is the price paid to change our lives forever. May we not lose sight of what you're doing in our midst, what you're doing in our lives. And certainly, Lord, we want in all things to bring you honor and glory with these lives we live. So as we approach this text, we come here humbly. And yet we expect, Lord, that you might do great things in our lives today as we spend time in your word and at your feet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are, there are times when uh, I personally just like a, a nice little walk through a cemetery. I, I find that peaceful and beautiful uh, to walk through and to uh, read stones. People I don't even know. But you read names, you read uh, captions that are on there, and, and uh, some of them almost tell a story, don't they? Just by what you can gather from dates and times and events and things of that nature. Now, even to the extent that there are times when you, what you read etched on a stone could uh, help you quickly determine that this was a brother or sister in Christ. There is usually some evidence to that on a stone. Rarely do we find negative things on a tombstone. I, I've noticed Hillsdale doesn't have any that says, here lies a real stinker, or something like that. We, we don't have stones that would say such a thing. But I found this kind of interesting, and I just uh, looked up a, just the idea of uh, what silly things people might put on tombstones. And this one said, here lies an atheist, all dressed up with nowhere to go. I thought, hmm, here's a good one. He was a good husband, a wonderful father, and a bad electrician. Does that tell a story or what? One you probably have heard before, but it's seen in several places in the country. It says, I told you I was sick. And then this other one, I kind of got a chuckle out of this one too. Looked up the elevator shaft to see if the car was on the way down. It was. 
That's what people would etch on these stones. I can't believe it. You know, sometimes it can be funny, I know, even to find things in a cemetery. But honestly, folks, today I did that because where we're going is not funny. The the section that we're looking at, uh, last week we talked about these representing tombstones, these various sins. Uh, along the way of the walk of the flesh, there are many disastrous events. And these... I represented as tombstones to give us something to kind of grasp with our mind, mentally picture what what uh, we're looking at here. And I certainly don't want you to find them attractive. And so I did that on purpose. And really today, it's very necessary that we do what we're about to do here too. Um, there are those who will uh, very gladly pass by heavy sections. Uh, and you probably have figured out, I don't do that. I, I go right through them. Um, and there's a reason for that, because it's God's Word, primarily. And yet, I recall very early as a pastor, uh, I might have been one or two years into the ministry, that I felt compelled to preach from the book of Jude. Now, if you want to see smoke coming out of a pulpit when you're preaching a book, that's the one. And I was going through that, I was halfway through, and I was approached by folks in the church and said, Stop, stop, we don't want to hear that. It was alarming to me. It surprised me to hear that. But I see what Scripture says. Uh, God has recorded this book for us to see it. He, he gives warnings, and uh, he speaks truth, and he presents it in black and white. And quite honestly, the things that we read right here on this page, verse 19 to verse 21, our society does not like these words. They do not want to hear these words. Because it reveals their heart. And that matches perfectly with John 3, where they say they hate the light because they don't want their deeds exposed. The world will, will run away from this passage, and pastors would do it too. But Psalm number 1 tells us that there is a counsel of the wicked. That means that they plan in groups. They work together in packs. There's a counsel of the wicked. There is a path of sinners. And the only way you make a path is to walk it often. And there are the seat of the scornful. And those are the ones who have gotten comfortable there. But the end of that way, the way of the wicked, will lead to perishing. It will lead to perishing. Jesus said there is a broad way that leads to destruction. You remember hearing that before? Peter says, there is swift destruction and judgment that is not idle. The Lord knows how to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And then add that, I mentioned Jude already. This is one of the verses that alarms people. Jude writes this right in the middle of his, his uh, book in verse 14 and 15. Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, are we convinced that God does not treat sin casually? Scripture makes it pretty clear. We talked about some of those details last week especially, but you will see here that the Pathway of sin is not the avenue for the believer. If I could impress that upon your heart today, I will. 
We are called to walk by the Spirit. And it says, verse 16, When we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desire of the flesh. We will not. So, the desire of the flesh is revealed. It's evident. We started verse 19 last week. It is evident. These characteristics of sin, I set up as a cemetery full of tombstones. And we're going to examine them carefully today. And it's not because I enjoy watching something horrible. (laughs) But I see that God has labeled those things which are offensive to him. We ought to know what they are. These are the evidence of walking by the flesh. So, let me add something else before we dig in. I wish these things were foreign to us. I, I wish that even our imagination hasn't planted these tombstones along the path. I, I wish we were innocent bystanders here. Viewing a site that has no experiences that go with them. I wish that were the case. But this passage was written to believers. Let's underscore that. It's written to believers. Believers who have chosen to act out the desire of the flesh. And so the scenes become very personal in that way. But at the same time, even as we start, understand this. The Lord is great in His mercy and in His forgiveness. And that we count on, don't we? We count on that. Spurgeon calls this little section, 19-21, the black catalog. There are four classes of sins represented here, and by no means exhaustive of the topic, and I don't think we could handle it if it was. Um, The four classes are the sins of lust, in verse 19. The sins of idolatry and witchcraft, Verse number 20, the first part. The sins of temper. That's also verse number 20. And the sins of appetite. Verse number 21. Now we're going to attempt to look at these groups as they come before us here. And I had hoped to do two of them today. But after I reviewed again my notes, I said, you know, I think we might do one. And uh, one group, not one word at a time. (laughs) Not one word at a time. That would be 15 weeks of this, folks. I think by that point, we would rather have root canals without painkiller than try to go through a list like this for 15 weeks. So, I'm not going to gallop through it by no means like that, because this is not an attractive topic. But at the same time, I think we're going to set a focus, and if we could do them in chunks, Let's do it that way. Um, you know, sin is an is a interesting thing in this regard. We know sin can be an action, right? Many times that's what we see, are the actions of sin. But we also know sin can be an attitude. And most of the time there is an attitude behind the action. And when we look at such a list like this, they're both there. The actions and the attitudes are on this page. And they are in all these different categories. We find both being reality. There's a sin that's, that's very evident in its action, but many times there's an attitude behind it. 
And so as we scan through this, let's be quick to say this. Though you may see on the list of verse 19, 20, and 21, things that don't pertain to you, and you're going to rejoice in that, (laughs) we will. Let's not be so quick to dismiss these things, to say, well, I'm not that bad, Pastor, or such like that. The reality is this. Give the flesh the opportunity, and any one of these can be fulfilled in us. Give it the opportunity, and these would become reality. So with those warnings and those comments to start, we're going to first start with category number one in verse 19, the sins of lust. Now, this is a portion of the cemetery that's, that's filthy, morally dirty. That's generally not where you want to start a tour, right? The worst part that you could possibly see. Uh, We look at these words, which are in verse 19, immorality, impurity, sensuality. And we pronounce those quickly as sin. We're good at that. We say, yep, that's sin. Do you know, even the world knows that these are sin. Though they promote it, though they practice it, wait till somebody who calls themselves a Christian gets caught in one. And what does the world do? Aha! Right? They treat it like it's wrong then. They point it out then. I mean, they will more gladly point out a believer who's caught up in immorality than one who has a bad temper. Jude's uh, description of a false teacher, I think is interesting. He calls them ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into licentiousness. What an ugly thing they've done with the grace of God to think that, well, God has saved me so I could do anything I want. And they live like that. And because they're false teachers, guess what they're doing with it? They are teaching that very lifestyle to others. And they captivate people in situations like that. They defile the flesh, Jude says. Now Jesus, when he taught in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 16, he was talking about false prophets there. And when he mentioned the false prophets, he said, you will know them by their fruit. It's not uncommon. If you follow the trace of false prophets or false teachers, and you get a a list of their descriptions, usually among the first item on there, there's an item of immorality. Usually the case. That's one of the fruit that goes with walking by the flesh, and, and that's very pronounced in their group. So, as we talk about the sins of lust, there are three tombstones we're going to look at, and they're all sexual sins. Immorality, impurity, and sensuality. And I don't need to do a word study with you, really, uh, to understand these. The world has it on display every day. It's in TV, it's on the internet, it's on billboards in some places too. But tombstone number one is called immorality. The word in the Greek will say it all. Pornia. That's the Greek word for this word that we're looking at. It informs, it, it involves every sin uh, from adultery to fornication to incest. 
any sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage. Jesus said that even thinking these things in your heart was just as sinful. Lustful glance, the mental desires. Do you know that the law condemned this kind of lifestyle? Ten Commandments. You get down to about number seven, I think it is. Thou shalt not commit adultery. There was an English Bible printed many years ago. They called it the Adultery Bible. And you might think, well, what a strange title. The printers forgot the not on that verse. And so when people started to use it, guess what it said? You shall commit adultery. It's in museums now. Thankfully, it's not in our hands. <laughs> but what a terrible word to have missed. Simple little word, but that's the commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And there was a punishment for that, by the way. In Leviticus chapter number 20, the punishment for this kind of sin was what? You want to guess? It was death. Does that sound serious to you? Wow. You know, if we were following the law code, and we were serious about that, how many people would be left on our earth right now? The wages of sin is death. God knows that too. That's immorality. And that's a part of our society. The, yes, you know, the, the Corinthians lived in a society like this. We sometimes wonder if we're so far detached from uh, history that they have no idea what we're living in. They knew it very well. That was Paul's primary thing he tried to help them with. They were living in a culture like that. And trying to walk pure, trying to walk moral, was an enormous challenge for them. You need a good study on that. First Corinthians will help. First Corinthians. Second tombstone. Let's move to that one for a minute here. It is called impurity. Impurity. That's uncleanness. Now this one is an interesting one because this is the way Spurgeon defined it. And I think he's very accurate in these words. That which is secret, not known to others, but is fully known to God. Fleshly thoughts and fleshly words and fleshly acts. But the underscore is that concept of something inward, something private, something secret. And generally, that's where a lot of these kind of sins are committed, in the head, in the mind. Impure minds and impure thoughts, we keep them secret. But why is it so so difficult? Why, why is it that... Uh, our world promotes impure things like it does. Ask Hollywood what sells. And they'll tell you. It's impurity. And if I step on a toe or two, be ready. People look at uh, movies today. They see the caption. They say, oh, it's just a little bit of this in the movie they give us the ratings don't they and the ratings would tell us oh it's got you know this problem it's got that problem and they, they label things language uh, things of that nature and we say oh it's only a little bit the rest of the show is great but there's just a little bit 
I might have said this before, but here's a little gauge. If you want to operate that way, try this. Stir a little dirt in your milk next time you drink it. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. I also have a personal comment to add to that. And that is, if Hollywood is going to defame my Lord by using his name like they do, why would I give them money? Why would I support them? They're talking about my Jesus. They're talking about my God. And I think I should take that seriously. Impurity is all in that department. It's all in that department. And you see how easy it is for us to to qualify impurity, to, to say, well, it's not as impure as that is impure. And we have a little scale we work by, don't we? We say, well, it's only a little bit. Well, that's a lot. And we make contrast between the two. How much does it take to be impure? How much does it take to make something impure? It is a tombstone on this path. It is something of the flesh. And we're told to walk by the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. I take that one seriously. I hope you do too. Impurity. Wow, that's a big one. Tombstone number three is sensuality. That's the word licentiousness that pops up on the page, a big $50 word. But that's primarily an outward expression now of that same thing that was inward. It's the outward uncleanliness. You know, society condemns it and yet it promotes it. Conversations excite this. Lewdness in songs, lewdness in gestures, lewdness in pictures, unlawful gratification, all of that's in the definition, folks. I didn't make up those words. They're right there in the definition of the word, sensuality. It's what's contrasting modesty. It's an absence of restraint. Those are ugly stones, are they not? Very, very ugly stones. Sins that kill. They are wrong because God said so. He has listed what he has found offensive. These things are evidence that the flesh has been in control. Recently I read a quote from A.W. Tozer that read this way. If I look at the world, I will conform to the ways of the world. And if I look at the Word, I will conform to the will of God. Does that not say pretty much what we've been working on for 11 weeks? We're called to walk by the Spirit. If we set our focus on anything else, if we walk in any other way, we're walking contrary to the will of God. Contrary to the will of God. That's, that's crucial for us to grasp. And yet, here's where I turn this, this information to application. Are these tombstones in your life? These three that we just said today. Are they in your life? You know. God knows. <laughs> Proverbs 5, passage that... I was reading for devotions, and, uh, you know, 
If you do Proverbs for devotions, come away with the understanding you're going to feel great as you're bruised thoroughly from reading those chapters. Because on one side it speaks of his greatness and his, his, all these wonderful things he's doing, and the other side he's pointing out, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And so it's an interesting mix to start your morning. But I was going through Proverbs chapter 5, and verse 21 and 22 says, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he watches, he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cord of his sin. Those are very alarming little words, too. But it's reality. Let me make a suggestion to you, because right now, if, if you're in this department, one of those three, or maybe all three, are tombstones in your life. I want to suggest something to you to start with. And this is a starting place. You get a three-by-five card. Three-by-five card or a sheet of paper. You could type it out on your computer screen if you want. Write these verses on it. Go with me first to see them. Philippians 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, verse 8. I want you to turn there because I want you to know where it's at so that you can do this later. Here's your homework, okay? So you can do this later. Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brethren. So who's he talking to? Believers. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. Take your three by five card and write that verse on it. And then... Stick it next to your TV screen. Ooh. Put it on a little note right next to your computer screen. I know, those are the hot spots. But isn't that where we need the warning? Isn't that where we need the reminder? How often the flesh is good at this. It gets you so caught up in what's going on that it makes you forget what you're supposed to do. So let's counter that with setting down in print what we're supposed to do. I said it's just one step along the way, but I consider that a guard. If you will, a grid or a filter for your mind. Allow only pure thoughts in there. I know the world's going to bombard you with all kinds of thoughts, but only let the pure in, the honorable in. Let only the excellent in, the lovely things in. Wow, will that change our lives? A reminder like that? I think we need it. We, we need a reminder. Because the pull of the flesh is so strong. But, and I can never leave it just like that, the Lord is stronger. The Lord is stronger. Set your mind on His Word. Set your mind 
on His Word. See, the Spirit is calling. Can you not hear it in Galatians 5? He says, walk by my way. He's calling us to Himself. He wants us to, to come away from this. He wants us to walk with Him down this path. He will always lead you down the right path, down the righteous path. You want beauty? You want peace? You want a good conscience? You want to be able to stand before your brothers and sisters in Christ and just know that, that the Lord has blessed you and has granted you forgiveness and cleanliness and, and you feel good in the fellowship with other believers? Walk by the Spirit. It doesn't get manufactured any other way. It's a walk by the Spirit. He changes our lives. He changes our hearts. And He cleans us. He cleans us. That's my appeal to you this morning as we have started on our journey. Like I said, I have a whole other tombstone waiting. But I'll have to set that off for next week. I think that was enough for starters. What do you think? Woo! Okay. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, you see this congregation, and I know you love us. We love you. We love you. Maybe there's a need right now for somebody, or many of us, to stand before you and, and plead for the cleansing power of the blood. Maybe this, uh, these tombstones have been recently set up in our lives or we are visited there often you know us well there's nothing we hide from you today that's true the thing that struggles right now is our will I think it's our will Lord because our will is so strong and it wants us to enjoy ourselves with the passing pleasures of sin and your spirit is stronger still and he calls us today this is wisdom, Lord. This is life. This is what righteousness looks like. And this is how we ought to walk. And this is where we come today. If there's somebody here today that's making a decision right now that would change them forever, pray, Lord, that you would bring it about in their hearts. Maybe they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior right now. Or maybe it's that believer that has held on to this sin or that sin and, and built these little tombstones in their heart. Right now, Lord, they stand before your throne. It's a day for change. We have seen the reality. We know that these things are offensive to you. We want to please you. We want to love you. So, Lord, only you can do this work. Only you can set free. Only you can break the chains. I pray you're active in our midst. I pray that from this moment on we're different kind of people because of what you have done. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you love us. Even while we were yet sinners, you sent your Son to die for us. You have changed us. And we praise you for it. Now do your work in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.